0: Welcome back to Tapping Into Crypto, the podcast for all things cryptocurrency. If you are still scratching your head about what has happened with Luna and the market over the last fortnight, make sure you jump back and listen to our latest crypto catch-up where Tommy and Pav break down their thoughts on what's happening and some sneaky news. Probably the most bullish news that we've seen come out of the market this year is in that episode. So if you haven't tuned in just yet, make sure you add that to your hit list for this week. And today we are joined by Jordan Franklin aka The Happy Spender. And we are going to be talking about all things crypto, NFTs, the future of Web3, along with why we think so many people are still so afraid to get started. So if you're listening to this and along the way you do feel inspired and want to join in on the crypto journey, our friends over at SwiftX who have some of the lowest fees, best prices, and of course are the reason this podcast episode is possible, are offering you $10 worth of Bitcoin just for signing up and registering and you can find the link in our show notes to get started. Because whether you're a beginner, a Bitcoin veteran, or just crypto curious, I am your host, Alicia Chapman, and this is Tapping Into Crypto. Welcome to the podcast, Jordan Franklin, aka The Happy Spender. It's so good to have you here with us. Thank you so much for having me. So cool. Now I know that a few of our listeners will already follow you on your journey, probably on TikTok, perhaps, or Instagram. But for those that haven't come across your page yet, can you let us know a little bit about who you are and, and how you help people navigate through the space of, of crypto and the financial world as well? Sure. So... My
1: platform is called The Underscore Happy Sandra on Instagram and TikTok. And I created it as a place where I could talk and connect with other people about sort of investing and financial wellness. And it has morphed into something not completely different, but I... Don't think I ever would have envisioned myself going down the cryptocurrency and web three pathway. And it really all started with a TikTok that I uploaded last year where I committed to doing a 30 day learning journey. So I was going to learn about something new about the crypto space each day and then share it with whoever. I maybe had 20 (laughs) followers (laughs) at the time. So, you know, whether anyone was listening or not, it sort of, it didn't matter at that stage because it was actually a really nice personal challenge. And I just didn't know anything about cryptocurrency. And so I started learning and it just really popped. And it seems like that experience of learning something new, it's a very relatable experience. I think it feels awkward learning something new for the first time and feeling a little bit overwhelmed and intimidated by a space, especially as crazy as the cryptocurrency space. So I kind of just wanted to learn it in my own way and in terms that I understood. And that 30 day learning journey ended up turning into a 100 day learning journey almost killed me <laughs> doing that but it was it was a really really good learning experience and i made plenty of mistakes along the way i learnt a lot in those 100 days and you know it sort of is the thing that's led to what i'm doing now i've quit my corporate job it was initially going to be a leave of absence just to take a break and perhaps see if i could make something of my platform now Where it's turned into a full time thing. It's like I'm taking the gap year I never had. So I'm really, really enjoying it. But I guess in marketing, there's this thing called the rule of seven. And they say that, you know, a person needs to hear a message seven times in order to take action and be prompted to do something about that information that they've been given. So I first heard Mm -hmm. about Bitcoin in 2017 from some colleagues when I was working at a startup in Sydney and I wasn't even investing in stocks then. I didn't know any of my friends investing at all. I was quite clueless about that world. I'd just never been exposed to it before. So I sort of remember Googling the price of Bitcoin at the time and it was reached an all-time high that year of about $20,000 and I kind of just passed it off (laughs) as a gimmick And, and I didn't really buy into it. I sort of wasn't bothered to look into it. And then fast forward to 2021, early 2021. And I was on my way to work and listening to a podcast interview with Katie Horn. And your audience can feel free to go and Google her, but she was a U.S. federal prosecutor. She was tasked with heading up the very first cryptocurrency task force that was established in the U.S. Justice Department, and she charged criminals in the cyberspace. One of which including, you know, one of the guys involved in the infamous Silk Road case, money laundering on the Bitcoin blockchain. And she became so interested in the technology that she actually left her career as a lawyer and decided to pursue a career. In in Web3. And she's just raised $1.5 billion for her venture capital firm, which is incredibly exciting. But I think that hearing a female with a non-technical background, so a non-STEM background, talk about cryptocurrency in such simple terms was a real eye-opener for me. And that was like my seventh message, the thing that really pushed me into the cryptocurrency space. And it obviously helped that the market was doing quite well at the time. There was lots of positive sentiment for me to ride that wave.
0: And that's really where it all started. How cool. I love that. And I love that it's not something that, you know, we we touch on people that get into crypto to get uh, as part of that get rich quick. Phase. And Mm. they're just like, oh, look at all these returns. And maybe I can, you know, make a million dollars and be a millionaire by buying Dogecoin or something like that. Whereas if you've come into it from a tech perspective as well and you understand that as part of your journey, it just makes it so different and such a different journey and adventure to be on when you come from that angle. So I love that that was the way that you entered. And of course, the question that we ask absolutely everyone to the podcast is, what was your first cryptocurrency purchase? And of course, do you still have? It now.
1: So I remember when I made my very first cryptocurrency purchase, and that was day 19 of my cryptocurrency journey. And I remember sharing what I bought. Lots of people in the comments were like, that's like the boomer crypto starter pack, (laughs) you know, the the kind of, you know, where, where everyone starts. But, you know, I was okay with that. It feels like a very risky space, and I felt it was only appropriate to be smart about what I was investing in first, even if that meant I was a bit of a a boomer. But my very first cryptocurrency investments were, of course, Bitcoin and Ethereum. And I will always dollar cost average into those two cryptocurrencies. They're very different cryptocurrencies, but I believe in the use cases for both of them. It also helps that they're obviously the top two cryptocurrencies in the world, Bitcoin being the first, Ethereum being the second. And then I also invested in Polkadot, Cardano and V chain and I think that those were my very first cryptocurrency investments and it, it took a decent amount of research to kind of arrive at that decision and I remember even people saying it should have been the first thing that you did was buy crypto like why did you wait for so long but it was really important to me that I took the time to research and understand what I was getting myself into. Even though I think that buying, say, $10 of Bitcoin just so that you have skin in the game and you're invested, and if that's something that prompts you to learn, then fabulous. I definitely think that's a really good approach as well. But even then, my investments have changed. I'm not in those some of those cryptocurrencies anymore. I've picked up Other ones, and that's something I think, you know, when you get into cryptocurrency, you might find yourself sort of readjusting your portfolio, at least I do, much more frequently than my stock portfolio.
0: Oh, for sure. And it's because things change so quickly. Even just in the last couple of weeks, we've seen so much volatility and so much change. And I think it's more understanding where you want to head in the crypto space as well. The tech behind it is so diverse and there's so many different teams and different approaches. So if your, I guess, passion or the area that you think is going to be that really next focus, like, you know, a lot of us were so into all of the gaming crypto for a while there Mm -hmm. because that was something that was new and upcoming and that's kind of found its feet and finding its new path now. And so for us, like and me personally, my next thing is like, okay, what's that next strategy? What are we going to focus on now? What tech is exciting and where do I want to be part of now? I'm excited
1: for that because I feel like the market's sort of in this downward spiral and there's no better time than now to kind of reset and just take a minute and start researching that next wave of projects that might come about. That's something I'm really, really excited about you know, especially seeing projects in the the move to earn space, which I think is so cool. I'm not sure if you've heard of Stepin, but it's that app that you can download and you buy one of like a sneaker that's actually an NFT. And then you can use that sneaker to earn cryptocurrency when you go for walks or runs. So, you know, I just think, That's so cool. And there's so many interesting projects just like Steppen kind of cropping up in the crypto space. It's like you want to concentrate on maybe pick like a few different themes and then research the projects within each one of those spaces. And yeah, we can definitely talk more about that. Oh,
0: yeah. There's a a whole rabbit hole we can go down (laughs) in terms of Web3 and the exciting projects that are there. What intrigued you about the Web3 space? So the Web3 space
1: is made up of different components. I think Web3 is like a blanket term, right? For everything that is happening in this new and emerging space, including cryptocurrency, NFTs, DAOs, or decentralized autonomous organizations. I think it's kind of like the catchphrase at the moment for this new form of internet that we are seeing. And the thing that really excites me about Web3 is that it's building on Web2, which is a form of the internet that we're familiar with, but it's taking that and putting the power back into the hands of the individual. So right now, you know, if you think about web 1 was the very first sort of iteration of the internet where it was very very clunky, people thought it would fall over, it would fail. The internet was kind of it got legs and then people thought that it was going to disappear, but it didn't. It proved its effectiveness and evolved into web 2, which is the the version of the web that we know today and that is where you have these big companies that we use but they'll also control our information. So you've got the Facebooks, the Googles, the Amazons, And whilst we all sort of know and love these platforms and these brands, there are really big issues with privacy and data and these companies collecting that data for marketing purposes and whatnot. I'm sure we've all kind of had that weird thing happen to us where we're talking about something with a friend and then the product shows up on our phone as an ad. It's a little bit freaky. But then this version of Web3 really, it's about sort of reducing the ability for big corporations to take your data by letting you transact in a way that cuts out the need for that middleman, that cuts out the need for the Facebook or for the Amazon or whatever. So I'm really interested, I think, in the concept of Web3 and obviously NFTs are a part of that as well. Something that I'm super excited about at the moment. So there's a few Web3 projects, I guess, NFT projects that I am looking into at the moment.
0: Oh, yes. And I would love to go into those. And I love the explanation that you just gave for Web3 as well, because it's such an easy way to kind of get your head around it. And it's something that I know for a lot of people will take a couple of times of hearing it like that, that's seven times Mm -hmm. to hear it. And then finally it will just click and you're like, oh, I get how it's different. Mm -hmm. I get how it's evolving. And I think one of the best ways that I've ever heard it simplified is like your first iteration was just read only. Mm -hmm. Literally, you just jumped on a page and all you could do was read what was on there. You couldn't do anything unless you were coding. Mm -hmm. And then there was read, write, which is like Facebook and those other examples that you mentioned in Twitter where, you know, we can also interact with that page without having to be a coder. And now where we're moving to is this like read, write, own space where we also can own the information that's going on there. So you own the data that you're inputting, you own everything that you're interacting. And in like touching on Mm -hmm. NFTs, that's an even more exciting space where we're just getting started. And I don't think anyone knows where we're going to end up with that. Like there's so much potential, so much space for growth. And we are just kind of trying everything at the moment. So people when they think of NFTs and they're like, oh, just like a picture I could just (laughs) right click and save. And it's like, well no, there's so much more behind it. But again at the same time, I really don't think we're seeing any of the potential of where we're going to go with that space so moving into nfts are there any that you've been involved in that you've just loved i guess the utility behind it as well as the the picture that you get as well
1: yeah definitely and i love that point that you just made about there's so much unrealized potential in the nft space i think largely based on people's misunderstanding of what nfts actually are and like you said we're sort of seeing these images of cartoons and whatever and it just seems absolutely ridiculous that anyone's paying like hundreds of millions of dollars or tens of millions of dollars for just a JPEG, but it's not just a JPEG to a lot of people, you know. I think value is subjective and if something's valuable, then it's valuable because we say it's valuable. And this is what I base when I'm looking for good NFT projects, I think about the utility of the NFT. So what I get when I buy that NFT? Do I get a piece of art? Sure. Is that the only thing I get? Okay, what else do I get based on this project? What utility has that project built into the NFT? For example, one project that I've just bought into is called My BFF, and they have a whole mission to bring more women and non-binary people into the space to help educate more people about web-free and make it a more inclusive space in general because we know that Cryptocurrency in Web3 is largely male-dominated, but there is such a huge opportunity to cast a wider net and to bring more people in and to make more people feel welcome. So that's kind of their whole mantra. Same as projects like Boss Beauties as well. I think they're the two really big ones that I'm focused on at the moment. But with my BFF, I've spent close to 3000 Australian dollars on one of the NFTs. And for me, that gets me access to a community. Obviously, there's only a collection of 10,000 NFTs in a project like that. So I get access into a community that's full of like-minded individuals. I get invited to regional workshops, seminars, events. I get VIP access to my con event in 2023. If I choose to go to that and I think that they host exclusive video calls with celebrities that are also advocating for more education for women around Web3. So they had a call the other day with Gwyneth Paltrow and and Mila Kunis and for me that NFT is so much more than just an image. It's like I'm investing in myself in a very Web3 way. You know, I'm investing in bettering my knowledge, I'm investing in expanding my network and that's how I look at the NFT space and discern the good pro from the great projects. Not always with the intention of selling that NFT on what I think that lots of people, when they think about NFTs, it's how can I profit from this thing? When people say I have $20,000 worth of NFTs, well, that's great. That's the value that you paid for it. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to sell for any more than that. Yeah, my real focus there is just to make sure that whatever NFTs I'm buying into, um, sure it'd be great if they have future investment value, but really it's a different kind of approach to being part of these communities that I don't think would get access to from, you know, my
0: little bedroom here in in my parents' backyard here in Canberra. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it's like you're buying access to a community. People think about buying a membership. even a a local sports club or an online community like buying a membership is not a foreign Mm -hmm. concept but buying an nft that gives you access to a membership of a community feels like something that is so far removed but if you take back what you're actually doing and my bff is a a fantastic example of this um, a lot of what gary v is doing around vcon is also a really good example of this as well is that the thing that you're buying is yes of course future access to future things but primarily you're being part of this community that is exclusive that the only way you can be part of it is by buying one of these nfts Mm -hmm. And there's just so much potential for that as well. And so many things like you touched on DAOs as well and a new way of working. We've got an epic episode around how you can integrate that with your workplace. But there's so much scope for NFTs to be included there as well. So, you know, you could talk about this all day and the different potentials and where we could go. But I think it is just really focusing on that community space. And something that I love that you have on your Instagram is your NFT tracker. Oh, yeah that you've got in your link tree did you make that yourself yeah. <laughs> Can you talk through it if someone hasn't seen it? What sort of things you have on there? And it's basically a list of things to perhaps consider before you go and purchase your NFT. And I just loved the thought behind it because as you said, so many people, they jump on, they're like, woohoo, NFT, I'm going to buy a picture of a monkey. Well, if you can afford one of those. <laughs> but, you know, they're trying again and coming from this get-rich-quick place. But as we're talking about there's so much more that's behind this. Yeah, these. absolutely. I think I created the NFT tracker. At
1: a time when I thought that I wanted to start flipping NFTs, and the idea behind flipping NFTs is exactly what I was just sort of talking about: is you're buying and then you're selling for a profit. For me, that approach is very different from having genuine buy into a community, like I do with the My BFF community. This was purely just buy low and sell high, and I soon realized that that actually requires a lot more effort than I thought that it would. It's almost a full time job. Sort of tracking all the various NFT projects that are cropping up around the place and trying to, I guess, get on the whitelist so that you can achieve that strategy of buying low and selling high. And for anyone who wants to do that, I'd highly recommend you go and follow Josh at NFTs for Noobs. He runs a really good page all about that. Mm So I would say my tracker doesn't receive as much love from me as it did at a certain point in time, but I still absolutely find it useful. And other people I'm sure would find it useful if they're keen to try NFT flipping is how do you discern the good and potentially valuable projects? from the rest. So this tracker includes things like information about the team. Some teams are anonymous. I think that it's important that you do know who's behind a project. I think as well, it's good to know things about the the utility and the rarity attributes that each NFT has, because that can obviously have an impact of inflating the investment value of that NFT, things like community involvement as well. So what people online are saying about it, how excited people are about it. You're really looking for the narrative around the NFT. What are people saying about it? And is there going to be enough demand there for you to be able to
0: sell that NFT on? But looking at this now, it is a really useful spreadsheet. It is so good. and It's so good. And guys, this is just free mm. in Jordan's link tree on her Instagram. We'll pop that in the show notes. You can go have mm-hmm. a look. But the reason I loved it is it's great for flipping, but it actually makes you think about why am I purchasing this in the first place? So Which I think true. the questions that you've asked people to consider there are things that people should consider whether they're buying it to flip or buying it to hold. If you're not asking the questions or don't know who the team is behind it and you don't know what the utility is and even the rarity to some extent, like Mm. (laughs) people go from one extreme to the other with this. Like I know there's a whole heap of guys in in a couple of Discord chats that I'm part of and they're just using SQL queries and creating (laughs) all these graphs and tables and they're like, this is the one you should buy. And, you know, you can go to a whole new world of extreme with that. But it's just interesting to know, like if you get something that is super rare, like when you're minting, if it's a random Mm -hmm. allocation... And you happen to get something that is super valuable, you don't know that if you haven't done your research. So if you put it up for two weeks and it should have been up for like twenty, you just aren't educated again in this space. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really good questions for people. Yeah, totally. And it's all just that that broader research piece,
1: and you know, I really do think that in this space and. In general, I think learning and doing your own research is a form of self-care. It minimizes that risk of making mistakes, albeit making mistakes is okay. It's, I think it's a natural part of being in this very new and emerging space. The more you can sort of equip yourself with the tools and knowledge, I really think the
0: better off you'll be. A hundred percent. And we touched on before a super interesting project called called Step In, which is epic. We've mentioned it a couple of times on the pod. A few people have raved about it. I personally haven't used it myself, but it's just a really great example of Where this world is morphing to. Are there any other projects that have caught your eye that you've kind of? been really excited to see come to Yeah,
1: Yeah, there are a few things that I'm looking at at the moment. The projects like Stepan, I'm excited about because I love health and wellness and I, I love going to the gym and I love being active. So if you can earn passive income by doing that, gym memberships don't come cheap these days. <laughs> you know, if you can earn a little bit of passive income whilst exercising, then I think it's very cool. Now, Stepan is the first successful example of that and it'll be interesting to see how Stepan. And goes and if it will be here for the long term and defining what the long term is in the crypto space is a little precarious, right? Because who knows what will sort of come and go, especially as all these cryptocurrency projects buy to be the next Google and the next Facebook. But yeah, definitely the move to earn space. Um, one other space that has caught my eye recently is the explore to earn space. So the sort of projects in the metaverse that are incentivizing you and paying you in cryptocurrency to go and explore their virtual worlds. That's quite cool. And there are two other ones that are much less fun, but very important. And one of those is decentralized storage solutions. Yeah, I think that a lot of people think that once you know the NFT is on the blockchain, it just sits there and it's like this magic thing. But actually, the NFT needs a place to live in the blockchain and that place has to be stored somewhere. And that storage place has to be maintained by people. And there have been these instances where people are opening up their cryptocurrency wallets and their NFTs have disappeared because their NFTs haven't been stored properly. So decentralized storage solutions like IPFS definitely have caught my eye and I'm intent on researching those kinds of projects. Um, really boring. Like I would say that's like not the most exciting space, but super but important. important. Super so important. important. And then I would say the other one, again, which I wouldn't put in the most exciting category is bridging solutions. I've recently discovered earlier this year the report that Masari releases every year called Crypto Trends, you know, so it'd be Crypto Trends twenty twenty two. And I read through this report and it was super, super insightful and helpful. Um, I'd recommend that resource to anyone who wants to understand sort of the lay of the cryptocurrency land. But in that report, they noted that bridging solutions are going to be something to watch for this year. And basically what that is, is blockchains need a way to talk to each other. They need to be interoperable so that it makes it easier for us to transact on all the different networks. I think anyone who has tried to set up a cryptocurrency wallet and start transacting on the blockchain, it can be a little bit frustrating when you're constantly having to convert like currencies back and forth and to kind of move funds from place A to place B. It can be a little bit clunky. And so bridging solutions are sort of aimed at making that process a lot more seamless. And I think that if you can make the blockchain space, a place that's easier to use, that's ultimately going to draw more people into it, which I think can only really be a good
0: thing. So, yeah, a few spaces that I've got my eye on at the moment. Definitely. Like, bridging solutions is a super interesting space because it's something that is clunky at the moment. And often when you're starting out, and I remember when I first did, you don't know what you don't know. And so it's not until you try to do something and then it fails, and then you're like, oh my God, I can't transfer from here to here without going to here, 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 and here at first. It is just Mm -hmm. such a journey that you don't know until you go down and then when you realize how much it costs you to transfer from each place along the way and all the hops in the middle it's just something that again you never know so really interesting space that again we haven't really touched on on the pod so thank you so much for bringing that up It's something that people definitely need to be aware of.
1: Definitely something to talk about. Hopefully, we can sort of talk about all these things and how much they might improve the space, but I would highly implore like anyone to create a cryptocurrency wallet and start playing around so that you can get a feel for what it's like to transact in that world. So then you'll sort of realize the pain points and obviously every good cryptocurrency project aims to solve a problem. And if we can solve some of those pain points in the cryptocurrency space as it evolves, then that can only be a good thing.
0: And going back to Web3 and this whole ecosystem in general, something that I saw on your page, and I've seen it a few times now, and it's just, it breaks my heart every time I see it, is that 81% of the participants in Web3 are male which if you step back and you think about it, you think about the people that I interact with, like, yeah, that feels pretty true. A lot of people that are hosting podcasts that are on YouTube are also males. And if you think back, I guess, and draw parallels to tech, Women in tech has only really become a focus point in the last 5-10 years and there's been so much push and so much support to really increase the amount of women in tech and it's a space that I love seeing women get into and love seeing them find their confidence and find their feet. What do you think we can do to increase the amount of women who are interacting with crypto and interacting with Web3? I
1: think we just need to keep talking about it. There's a few factors here at play. And I think that obviously one of those is that there is a widely held perception that cryptocurrency is just for the next generation of tech bros. And sure, STEM traditionally has attracted more males than females. But I think that the message really here that's important is that women are absolutely welcome. I think that the thing that might stop people from entering is... I feel like a lot of the messaging in the cryptocurrency space really targets men. I think men and women, the way that we're wired, we receive messages differently. Just like in marketing, marketing is tailored for the target audience, and that can be gender based. An ad or a piece of marketing material or a message or whatever might appeal more to a female or a male. And right now, a lot of the messaging in the crypto space appeals to males. I think we have to think about reshaping that narrative from, oh, if you buy this cryptocurrency, I made $10,000. You should totally get into it. That's not a message personally that like resonates with me. I need to know what is the space? How does it work? What are the risks? I need you to give me the picture and empower me with the information so that I can make an informed decision about the investment that I'm looking into. Everyone receives messages differently, whether you're you know, male or female or non-binary, but I think we need to just work actively and work hard to make more women feel welcome. And that's why I selected bright hot pink as my main color scheme on my Instagram page. Ultimately, it doesn't matter what color it is really, but I wouldn't say that the marketing person say in the crypto space really targets everyone. So it's nice to have a balance and make people feel more welcome regardless of what gender you are.
0: Definitely. And I think it's a confidence thing as well. Like So many people are scared to start learning about and scared to do. And there's always this thing like coming from a corporate background, but the number of men that apply for jobs where perhaps they don't have all of the skills and qualifications compared to females. And it's just ridiculous. I think it's almost like 60% or something of men would apply for a job that they're not 100% qualified for and women Mm -hmm. just won't. And I think that can kind of translate over to the crypto world as well in that when we don't completely understand something, it's scary. It's like, well, I don't Mm. want to just go and buy this. What if I get scammed? What if I lose everything? I love that with your page and the education that you're doing, you're really allowing people to see that. You do need to just try and you need to just learn and put yourself Mm. out there and give it a go and that's how you're going to be able to move forward in this space and really be able to become a voice and a presence here as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? There's always going to be a band of people who are just flat out not interested. That's also okay. I think that either way, as we see elements of Web3 seep into our everyday lives. I think in the future, at least people probably won't even realize that they're participating in Web3 until they are. So I think there's this merge of sort of the real world and the Web3 world that will naturally just bring more people in. I think that that adoption really, it takes so much time. And I both know that the space is imperfect at the moment. And that's another thing that keeps people out of it is that the risks associated with the space, but at the end of the day, it's a space that's there for you to learn about anytime you want to join.
0: Definitely. Something that I would love to ask you, Jordan, touching on the market, we have seen so much volatility. We have seen some crazy things that no one could have ever predicted. We've seen things fall in line with the asx and uh, stock markets across the world which again we never thought would happen in crypto Mm -hmm. but we are seeing a lot of a lot of red across a lot of portfolios at the moment how do you personally manage when you see that because i know from you as chatting to you and knowing the research that you've done you know these are investments that are for the long term for you so how do you manage when you see all of this to be honest, I think the most important thing is to
1: realize that it always feels so much worse in the moment. I mean, we know that the market goes up and down, but it doesn't make it any easier to deal with that when you're in a down cycle and you see all of your hard-earned dollars being you know, flipped upside down. And No one invests money to lose money. We're all investing to make more money and to achieve financial freedom. But I think it's super important to understand why the market's down. You know, it's not just cryptocurrency that's down. It's also the stock market. And the cryptocurrency market is very closely correlated with the stock market. So, the stock market is currently down. Therefore, the cryptocurrency market is... um Pretty much in the ground. <laughs> uh, so it seems dire, but when you actually look at why that's happening, you know, you've got the Fed just announced uh, an inflation rate of 8.3%, which really scared the market. You've got war in the Ukraine, China re entering lockdown, the threat of regulation, the demise of Terra Luna, formerly a top 10 cryptocurrency, that all of these macroeconomic factors are really testing the market and ultimately i think it's important for retail investors to know that there are whale investors and investors that are much bigger than us that can move the market with a single trade and unfortunately we're sort of like small fish in a big sea full of those really big investors and they are the ones that that really determine the direction of the market so that's also important to know, but those whale investors and those bigger institutional investors, they sell so that they can buy back in at a cheaper rate. So inevitably, you know, what goes down also must come up again. And if you're investing in those sort of those solid projects and, you know, solid stocks, if you're into stock investing, then I do believe that yeah, it's, it's all part of it. You just have to kind of block out the noise. And in crypto, there's that term FUD, fear, uncertainty and doubt. And certainly right now, there's a huge amount of FUD in the markets, but you just kind of have to put it all into perspective and realize that this has happened many times before. And many times when it has happened, the
0: market has come out, you know, stronger on the other side. Yeah, and that perspective is such a strong thing to have as well, especially when you're touching on the the macroeconomic factors and the things that are happening in our world. We haven't had these happen before. We've had lots of crypto cycles, but we mm. we haven't had a war going on at the same time, and we haven't had inflation mm. sitting where it is at the same time. So, you know, seeing mm. the dip that we're seeing, uh, I personally feel like. With what's going on, it should be worse than it is. So it's, oh, you know, I agree, fully taking advantage of, of everything being on sale um, mm-hmm. in our eyes. But, you know, there's so much going on. And again, it's not just crypto, it's every single part of the world that we're seeing this right now. So for anyone Definitely. feeling it at the moment as well. So, Jordan, starting out in your 100 day venture, there is so much information out there. So, where are some of the places that you like to go to get your information? Or when you were first starting, where did you go to look for those?
1: Such a great question. And I think that I'll preface this answer by saying that what I learned is that learning about cryptocurrency doesn't take like a chronological approach. You kind of don't start at chapter one and finish at chapter 10. And it it actually takes much more of a piecemeal approach. And it's not the most comfortable way to learn, I would say. You know, you do have to let yourself get down the research rabbit hole because really... The process of learning about cryptocurrency, for me at least, was taking pieces of information and not quite understanding it all initially, but then being able to take all the pieces and the more pieces I took, you know, you're able to form a picture and you know really get a sense of what the space looks like and and learning just you know new terms as well you're learning a whole entire topic so you know I definitely had to be patient with myself in that process but google is your best friend just start reading start small you know think about what kind of content you like to digest as well, whether that's podcasts or videos or if you like reading or a combination of of all three. But the ones that I have found to be most helpful in understanding cryptocurrency and then also how the markets work is the Coin Bureau. Guy is the person who is behind that. His analysis of kind of the crypto space is so incredibly helpful and he has such a great YouTube video on crypto for beginners. So I would highly recommend that, you know, if I could go back and tell myself to start somewhere, it would be with that video because it's such a good explainer of what cryptocurrency is. And I think that everyone, when they get into cryptocurrency, should read the Bitcoin white paper. Obviously, Bitcoin was the very first cryptocurrency to come about. And the Bitcoin white paper really just outlines you know what Bitcoin is, what purpose it serves, and how it works. And I didn't understand all of it when I first read it, but it's something that I constantly go back to to understand okay, what is the purpose of Bitcoin? You know, why did it come about? And how can you compare Bitcoin to, to other different assets to figure out its value? So the Bitcoin white paper is also a really, really great resource to probably
0: start start with, with those really basic ones. We'll pop them all in the show notes. There have been so many epic topics that we've touched on. And as we've like spoken about throughout the podcast, we're just scratching the surface with so much of this. And there's really topics that we're going to unpack so much more over the next few episodes, which I cannot wait. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, you know, I think I want to reiterate that message that everyone is welcome in this
1: space. You just need to, to have a willingness to learn and an open mind to learn and, and, and be curious. But I also just want to say a massive thank you for doing the work that you're doing. It's not easy to take a topic that can feel as complex and it can feel overwhelming and, you know, translate it into, into simple terms you know, for people to understand, I think it's just, it's such an important thing, and but such a valuable thing for us to focus our efforts on. So yeah, you know, and it's also so nice to talk to a fellow woman in the web three space. So thank you for, for all that you do. And I'm really excited to follow this and, and see what else you guys talk about
0: yeah there's so much epic stuff coming up and you as well jordan like the work that you do over on your page absolutely love it now for those listeners that haven't found you yet that are so interested and want to maybe check out this nft tracker or see the things that you talk about where can they find you so i am at the underscore happy sender on tiktok and instagram
1: mainly I'm trying really hard to get more into crypto Twitter. I'm definitely an active observer. It's a hard one. It's a really, really active space. But I broke my Twitter virginity last year and I'm, I'm trying to get more into it. Um, but yeah, TikTok and Instagram are the, the spaces that I exist in the most at the moment. So, you know, please come over and, and join me there and DM me. I love connecting with people in the community. I'm always really eager to talk to people because, you know, since quitting my job, like followers are like my colleagues and and the people that, you know, I bounce ideas off and, and that help me learn more. So.
0: Amazing. Well, we'll pop it all in the show notes, but thank you so much for coming on today, Jordan. It has been epic having you on. Thank you so much, Alicia.